Welcome back, everyone, to Season 3 of the Kelly Mental Health Podcast, where we discuss a variety of topics surrounding mental health. In this season, we will be joined by incredible guests from all around the world and pillars of our community to discuss real topics and situations they have faced and how they dealt with it. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy. All right. Ah, Linda, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? It's an honor, and I'm very, very appreciated that you're making this time to be on the show today with me, and I'm being on your podcast at the same time. Yes, this is Thunder Base <laughs> Superstars. We're so proud of ourselves right now. Oh, yes. I'm excited. You sound very excited, too. Uh, yeah, I get that way a lot. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you also have a very soothing voice. Maybe, you know, if you think about it, you might want to pursue a career in this field. Soothing voices are in high demand. I believe that, yes. <laughs> but I think there's so much more to what you do, though. Of course. Yes, yeah. The, 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 I, I, I get the compliment, and I didn't know about this first. First, you have a radio voice. No, not a radio voice, but a radio face. Ah. So, so that means you, you don't look so good. Uh, okay. <laughs> Supposedly. <laughs> but I'm, I'm okay with that. No, I'm okay with that. You know, I've, the one thing for me that's important... Speaking of mental health, for me, for example, it's a big part is uh, physical activity. Because uh, we have two kids at home, you know, Lisa's there, Albus and Kaspar, and he is six and almost a year now, so mm. five years difference. And as long as I can juggle them around and have them in my hand, I'm good. Mm -hmm. So That's really important to be able to have that that ability just to function to the energy the stamina mm. keep up with kids and you know hopefully contribute to their childhood yes. yeah <laughs> somehow somehow it's crazy how that all changed <laughs> parenting right uh, parenting is uh it's it's like a huge investment these days and there's so much more expected from parents than ever before mm. i mean i'm my my dad pretty much I, I grew up my dad was pretty much in the garage the whole time my friends never even knew what he looked like and nowadays it's like if you're not right in there with those kids changing those diapers and in with the discipline and in with the love and then almost you know you get judged for it so yes. good for you for being there <laughs> Yeah, you know, personally, with the second one, it's easier for me. With yeah. the, the first one, I had to learn a lot, and you know, I'm I'm an active dad, and I'm I'm there, but it's not not everything is easy for me. Hmm. You know, sometimes there's things I have to learn too. And speaking of mental health again, see, this is going to be my favorite thing today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not making fun of this, but I'm like really, I've I had a many guests on lately that mm, they, we don't dive into it, but we mention it. And it's like there's people that are in charge of a restaurant, for example, and they say, yes, I'm the person that is in charge, but I have all those people working for me, so I cannot show weakness, for example. I have to put this face on where I like... I motivate everybody, right? I hold it together because that's that's a big thing for a company. And there's a lot of people that have struggle, and especially in times nowadays. So, yeah. I I'm so thankful that you said yeah, let's talk about this today. Yeah, well, you know, you just saying that actually kind of gives me a sense of relief because people are talking about it more. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, I love talking about it. I, I love talking about, you know, my own issues that I've had, um, my 
crazy family dynamics I grew up with that sent me right into this field, they don't listen to my podcast. So we're good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But even just very prominent business owners that, that I am so grateful to know personally, being open about these issues and things that happen to them in their lives and, and how it affects them. It's so cool that people are able to talk about this without shame. Cause it's, I mean, this isn't a personal failure. This is biology. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. What do you think changed? Like, let's say about like with world war two, for example, people went to war and then they came back, but there was like no support how it is nowadays for soldiers. Did the, per- right. did, did the perception change? Like this is like the the example I can think of, but it's way deeper for everybody else. But with the soldiers, you can like, it's like maybe a lot of people can connect with that. Like, is it- yes, yeah. Um, well, post traumatic stress, which is usually the thing we think about with soldiers, it didn't even exist. Uh, for, it hasn't existed for the longest time. No one knew what it was. Mm. There's reports going back to, you know, Roman soldiers. You know, oh, in wow. old as having the same sort of fits of rage and uh, flashbacks and things like that, where it was clear that, you know, human beings do often develop traumatic stress symptoms. We just didn't know what it was. Mm. You know, we, they, they called it shell shock. They called it, you know, just people going crazy or, you know, uh, men often feeling completely alienated from their families because they experience something that, so few people ever will experience and survive. Yes. So it just didn't exist. Psychology was a new, it is a new field. Mm -hmm. And it started, the way that it started was such a, almost like a, almost kind of like with medicine where we study and we analyze the person and it's very detached and it's very cold. But nowadays, more modern days, we start to see that, oh, okay, so a child that is, you know, abandoned by a parent early on, mm. even emotionally may go on to develop attachment issues later on, may, may struggle to have trust in their intimate relationships for their whole lives. Like we were starting to see how extremely logical it all is. Mm. So to, to, in my perspective, then would you say as a civilization, as a human race, we have developed so far that we understand now things that we didn't understand before? Does that yeah, make sense? I, I think we're. I think we are. We are evolving. Yes. We're we're always evolving, but particularly with psychology and and uh, the understanding of mental health, we're yeah. we've come a long way. We got a ways to go, but <laughs> yes, but it's like this this stigma that you know, um, for everybody it's different, but like for men maybe it's like it's a weakness if mm-hmm. I, if I would talk about my feelings. Right. But it's like, I think that's changing a lot. I think with my generation, it's already different. Maybe with my parents, it's a little bit otherwise. They like, they're in the 60s. So that maybe is changing too. So I find like this is the time again where our perception changes and it's the topics we can talk about changes as well. I think so. I think you're right. It's it's that, again, we're evolving. And with every generation, we're starting to understand a bit more. Um, recently, uh, I'm not sure if you watch much Netflix. I've been watching more old shows. Mm. 
What are you and watching? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm watching Dawson's Creek. It's <laughs> yeah. not even that old, but yeah. you know, there's this, uh, there's, there's this lead up to where Andy starts to have, well, they call it like a nervous breakdown. You know, she's having flashbacks of her brother. She's, and they kind of talk about her as if there's something wrong with her as if she's mm. broken. And even as recent as the nineties, people still thought of mental illness as something you got to get locked up to deal with. Mm-hmm. Like oh, it was wow. so recent. Really? Is that yeah. extreme? Yeah, it was, it's very recent. Um, I, I grew up, <laughs> I grew up reading these VC Andrews novels, which were completely inappropriate novels for 11 and 12 year old girls, but um, they would often have a character that they introduced having some kind of mental illness and always, you know, that person's institutionalized or they just, they're just weird. They, um, mm. you know, they just, the way that they kind of referred to them was as an other, mm. not one of us. Yes. And that's not nice, right? No, no. And and one of the things that I have caught some flack for in some of the things that I talk about publicly is sometimes I can come off as minimizing mental mm-hmm. illness, like making it seem like it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. But that's really just in the fight to make it understandable that all of us at some point or another struggle with mental illness to you know, varying degrees. Mm-hmm. We, we all will, all of us will lose our temper at some point. All of us will have an ADHD moment where we're like trying to concentrate and we go, ah, oh, squirrel. All of us will, you know, have an unhealthy relationship dynamic with someone mm-hmm. at some point in our life. That's all mental health. It's not necessarily just seeing visions and, and hallucinating, yes. but it can be that too. Yeah. There's this movie with, is it Russell Crowe? I think. And he has, he's such I can't pronounce it, but he 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 sees people that don't exist, and he's yeah, and he has he has he has math, and he writes things down, and he has a son, and there's a bathtub, yeah. and it's just like it's going south, but it's a is it a beautiful mind? I don't know. A beautiful mind, yeah, yeah. and and it's a, like schizophrenia, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's, I can't pronounce that word. That's so, <laughs> <laughs> mm. so that boy movie was like an eye opener for me when I watched that. In the way where I didn't know about this before. So Mm -hmm. in a way, the media helps educate as well when they showcase certain types of mental illness, right? It can. It certainly can do a very bad job, too, Uh of making making those people that are struggling with mental illness uh, seem dangerous. really aren't it's it's more uh, you know the rare occasion that a person becomes violent um that particular one a beautiful mind i believe they i mean it was a a biopic right it was Mm. it was based on a true story and so they they did a brilliant job i think at really just trying to show what he went through Mm. yeah Uh, schizophrenia is it's more rare it's only i think one percent of a population will ever be uh, likely to be diagnosed with it, usually young men. Mm. And uh, Interesting. however, yeah, schizophrenia is also often misdiagnosed when someone has post-traumatic stress. Mm. Yeah, because, because uh, post-traumatic you, stress can have the same symptoms. Yeah, you really you, you relive that moment over and over again, and you see yeah. it. It's like a, it's like you go somewhere and you see it. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> okay, so now let's talk about. The recent development we have since March in the world, right? There's um, people are now then more than ever 
in need of support for mental health and what can what could i do or the person next to me do when we see somebody who is maybe sad or some part sometimes people even say they're in, in a dark place what 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 would should i do like i've i've there's many things i've tried maybe but then you know i find it's ultimately it's really hard to do the right thing mm -hmm. because i feel like uh, this my my helping is not the same perceived with the person for example that my right. english was terrible but you know what i you're, mean <laughs> yeah I mean, it sounds like you're seeing someone that's in pain and you just want to know the right thing to say yes and if i say right. something like hey the you know the world is not so bad this is just an example or mm. hey, hey i love you but it doesn't like it doesn't help the person in a way because it's i don't know it, it's yeah. because it's so complex right It can be very complex, but the answer to that can be very, very simple. I think we often have the impulse to take away the pain, to make the person not be hurting anymore when, you know, it's, it's just trying to ignore a bleeding wound. Maybe what we need to do is help them acknowledge that, hey, it's okay that this hurts. Of course it hurts. Mm -hmm. You're allowed to feel hurt about this. Don't beat yourself up about this. And you're not alone. I'm with you. Yes. Okay. So it's more passive in a way? It depends because, you know, the first thing that I want to ask you when you say, what can I do is, well, what resources do you have? Because, you know, if you're a parent, you're running around after two kids, you're, you're working full time, you are maybe struggling with financial difficulties and you're struggling with this COVID pandemic yourself. Mm. You got to think about what cost you're willing to pay to support more people than, than the people that are fully dependent on you. Mm. You know, do you have enough? Is your, you know, we, we talk about, are you pouring from an empty cup? Is your cup overflowing and do you have extra to spare? Mm. In that case, sure. I mean, offer your time, offer your companionship, your, your, even your silent acceptance of, Hey, I'm here for you. Mm. You want to talk? Let's talk. Don't minimize, you know, don't tell them there's nothing to worry about. Don't tell them it'll be over soon because it doesn't feel that way. Okay. Just let them, let them be in it and don't shame them for it. Mm. Because a lot, of, a lot of us struggle not only with what we're feeling, but then we feel guilty for feeling that way. So, uh, okay. So it's <laughs> yeah. a double, double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. Double whammy for that one. Mm -hmm. Wow. Right. Talk about these business owners that say, well, I got to be strong for my team. Otherwise they're going to see me as weak. Mm. So then that person, when they're going through a hard time, like maybe they get sick of work. Maybe they get sick of all the challenges and, and they just want to throw their hands up and quit sometimes. And they feel like I, I feel guilty for feeling that way. It's not fair. Well, how fair is that to you? Mm. To sort of beat yourself up for a completely normal human emotion. That's crazy. So we have to undo that that guilt, that shame, and just go, yeah, you know what? It is what it is. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's more more the initial acceptance than anything. Than not acceptance is help. It is. Because it's it's acknowledging what's there. Mm. It's making it okay. It's creating uh normal environment for it where it's a completely acceptable way to feel and most people just having that 
they'll get through it. Okay. I think the the problem that people do run into, particularly with relationships, you might hear this a lot between partners where it's like, well, she was complaining about all this stuff and then I gave, I gave her all these suggestions and she just shoots them down. Mm. Okay, she doesn't want you to fix it. <laughs> she wants you to hear her. Yes. Just hear this. Just acknowledge this because it's the feeling that's the problem right now. Most adults are fully capable of solving these problems on their own. It's just... Am I right to feel this way? You know, am I weak? Am I stupid? Because I feel this way. Yes. And it's almost like you, no matter what you say, the person has to go through it themselves in a way. Because yeah. otherwise they would like, I don't know. But there's a saying, you can bring a horse to the water, but the the horse has to drink the water itself, right? Yes. You you can't force a person. I, I, know, I know this most of all. I mean, I... I I see clients, you can't force a person to take the help. They've got to want it. So, you know, sometimes, sometimes the biggest impact you can make in a person's life is making yourself available mm. and just letting them talk and, and letting them know that whatever they got to say, it's a-okay. It's okay to have these thoughts and it will pass. Um, if they want help, I guess the other thing that you could do is say, hey, do you, do you just need me to listen? Because I'm here. It's not a burden. Like, I, I'm here for you. Or do you want some suggestions, things that I could maybe think of? And some people okay. will tell you. Yeah, then you, in the way you ask for permission to share a little bit extra. Yeah. I like that because then you empower the person, right? You empower the person that has a, like a, a moment of truth where the person feels empowered through it because you, give the, you ask for permission instead of forcing yeah. it. And, Yes, exactly. And certainly don't shame them for not taking your advice. Because mm. that's one thing I think a lot of us do when when our resources are really depleted. And there's one more person that's there and we can't turn away, you know, we care. Mm. And then we say, you know, say for a, <laughs> a person that comes to me and they're in financial difficulties. And mm -hmm. I'm like, hey, you know what? How about I'll, I'll go make you a dinner? I'll, I'll go go home and I'll bring you a dinner. And then they're like, no, that's okay. You know what? Someone sent me money. I'm just going to go get lunch. And then I go, what? <laughs> I'm trying to help you here. Mm. So you can't, but you can't do that, right? You, the person is being open with you and you can't really get mad at them for not taking your suggestions. Yes. In, in your role, um, what's you have like you, there's a lot of education behind you and you know, there's a lot of, and under your name, there's a lot of titles, <laughs> right and this is amazing yeah and um in your role you you are being part of something very big and there's a lot of emotions obviously do you is that is that something you learned over time where because like how do you disconnect that's i don't know but i read with you on to a little bit more before you i let you answer <laughs> so mm. i read on the web page for example that Uh, a rule is that you do not consult somebody who is like in your family, for example, or you're friends with. Yes. Because then you, like emotionally, you, you're too close. Right? Is, is that the yeah. same thing with doctors too, I guess? Right? Uh, yeah. Uh, typically, you know, you'd, you'd never see uh, a doctor, you know, doing surgery on their family member unless it was a complete emergency and there's nothing else. So in my role, it can get, 
very muddy um, because I have plenty of friends, acquaintances. I have a very open Facebook. You know, it's kind of come one, come all, come talk to me. Okay. <laughs> I, I I like people. Yes. Uh, and even my my family, there's people in my family that will come to me, and and I will. I never say no to providing like, here's some insight and here's, oh, here's this thing I read that kind of applies to what your situation is. Well, why don't you give this some thought or even just being there for them? Uh, But there's times where I have had to say, listen, I'm not your therapist. Mm. If you want to talk to someone, I can recommend some people. Mm. But because we're close and because I'm going to see you at Christmas, well, maybe not this year, um, because I'm going to see you soon. Uh, I can't remain super objective. Like I, I may not have the patience with my cousin um, and his choices <laughs> that I would with a client. Yes. I, I will be that person to give him crap about it. Mm. So you, you are obviously then very good at, at I don't want to say detaching, but more like um, drawing a line. Is that a proper word or how would you phrase that? Oh no, I'm terrible at it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm terrible at it, but I just, for the most part, people, the more, the more I publish online and the more I talk about this, then the sort of the easier people, uh, the people understand what the boundaries are. Mm. And there's always kind of a moment as well. Like if I'm getting, if I'm getting, um, you know, a suicidal text from a friend late at night, mm that that would be the moment where I go, look, I'm with my family. This mm. is not, this is not okay. You need mm. to call someone. So that, that would, that's rare though. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I see it's getting, it's, it's complicated. Yeah. But you asked me as well, like, how do I detach or how, how do I handle being around such big emotion? And, you know, I, I can say, I'm not sure how other therapists do it because I, I grew up in an Italian family. I am okay. used to being surrounded by emotion. Mm-hmm. And my uh, coping skill around that, for the most part, was to get quieter and sort of to absorb and to see and to yes. watch, watch the dynamics. And mm. I'm really looking forward to the next uh, podcast we're going to do because we'll talk about how families can have become very unhealthy in the way they speak to each other. Yes. Yes. You know, those, those extremes that they say to each other because they figure, Hey, you know, you're not going anywhere. I'm going to scream some abuse at you and then you're going to forget about it next week. (laughs) I find almost family is like, can hurt you the most because they're the closest. And it's almost like things can be said and it's almost like it's more okay than you would say those things to your friends. It's different. Like I know from my childhood, like I grew up with siblings and sometimes, you know, you would say things you don't really would ever say to anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking about Italian families, which I really have huge respect and amazing, but you said it's loud and noisy. I did um, some international travel when I still was in Germany before I immigrated to Canada and we, I was in England and we were on this in this summer camp for language. And... Mm, the students kind of stick to themselves with the languages. So the, the Germans stick together, the Italians and the French. And guess who was always the loudest? Well, it's got to be the Italian or the Greeks. Yes. yes. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I just smiled inside when you said that. and you. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And it's difficult too, because when that ethnicity, that, that those cultural traditions are so 
you're so used to it. Um, it can, you can feel so weird mm. among other people that aren't the same way. You know, I, I, you know, we, we grew up thinking that families that used to sit around the dinner table, like very quiet and actually taking turns talking at what they call the munch cakes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask, but, yeah. <laughs> but cool. it was just kind of a us versus them. And mm. so I grew out of it, but yeah. uh, kind of interesting. It definitely feels, feels like a very uncomfortable being at home when everyone's loud around me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, Linda, let me ask you one more thing, more on the personal level. When, like, for you say you are very connected with everybody, and you are you doing you more than your part, and you, you're putting yourself out there. But what do you do for yourself then? Do you meditate, or do you do you work out, or do you get extra sleep, or you read a book? How do you calm yourself? Um, I am an avid reader. I'm always reading something, even if it's just, even if it's just on the phone and I'm, you know, looking through websites, I'm flicking from article to article. Uh, that's pretty much has been my go-to. And I also really love writing. Mm. Uh, this year has been horrendous for my writing. I haven't, I don't know that I've written a single article except for uh, earlier this year, the beginning of the year, I had a miscarriage. And so I, I did okay. write about that. And I think maybe one fun article and that was it. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, I lost my momentum there because there was too much sort of emergency. I needed to respond to what was going on. Yes. I'm sorry about that. Mm. We, uh, I like that you bring this up, actually, as strange as this sounds, because um, Lisa, my wife, we had two mm. miscarriages, because it's, I actually like talking about it, as strange as it sounds, because it brings more awareness to everybody else, because yeah. it's, it's, it's like not everybody, it feels like as a woman, it's very hard because there's so much uh, guilt, maybe, or shame, or that the feeling you have inside, that's like, it's your fault, but it's actually not. It's just how the body works, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, And I feel like every time somebody brings that up, that's not me. I feel like this is good. Thank you. You know, I, it's true. And I'm so sorry for your losses because it's, you know, and it's quite a, a different thing altogether for, for the man in the relationship because he isn't really experiencing the the physical changes that come with it. And so it can feel, it probably feels so helpless. Yeah. It's, it's a strange feeling. It's, yeah. it's, um, for you to know though, like for me, I believe things, um, like things happen. Okay. I, like I cannot fix it mm-hmm. in my life. There will be things that are out of my control. And I know it's a it's it's a very hard feeling, and like I feel it, but I know life will continue, and we had another son now, right? Mm-hmm. As as strange as this sounds, maybe, but it it helps me to overcome the the feeling of we lost somebody. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of people will get stuck in the what if after that, mm. and just that fear of. And uh, I, I'm actually currently expecting, and so with every week. Thank you. Well, with every week that passes, I think to myself, well, I know someone who reached out to me after I produced that article and said, "Oh, I, you know, I lost one at 20 weeks. I lost one at 30. I had a stillborn, oh, and boy. so now I know too much." Mm-hmm. Um, but that's also my therapy is in researching and reading and knowing everything there is to know about now, uh, 
you know, infertility and, and struggles and how, how common this is and how not talked about it is. It is. Yeah. yeah. Turns out my mom had one too. And Lisa's mom had one too, but you wow. don't, you don't know about those things, right? No, no, it's so common. You know, they, they teach us in high school, it just takes one time and then you end up with a baby. <laughs> and now, you know, now I know as an adult that one positive pregnancy test does not always result in a healthy baby. In fact, yes. one out of four times mm -hmm. probably yes. won't. Yes, that's how it for is. For some people, yeah, for some people, they'll experience multiple losses, which is just devastating. Mm -hmm. It is, mm -hmm. yeah. My grandfather always used to say that it's easier to have a baby than... Um, earn five dollars but I, <laughs> I, I i thought this might be true but the more i i learn the less i think it is true yeah and well you know and things are changing now I, there's i'm not sure if it's more recognition of infertility because maybe back in the day you just might have known some couples that oh we just decided not to have children But you don't know if mm. they tried and they lost and they struggled or it just never worked and yeah. they didn't have the medical interventions that they do now. It's so, true. yeah, just people have everybody's got stuff, you know, everybody's mm. got stuff to talk about, their pain, their their heartache, the things that wake them up in the middle of the night. <laughs> yes. And it it has always been there. Yeah. Yes. Okay. It has. So now. Do you find the word therapist is like a word that is negative or is it does it ha, does it have a meaning for you like if somebody says hey I'm seeing a therapist does that does that associate a problem do you find that or is it like is it a good word Me personally no I I I wish everybody would see therapists mm. um <clears throat> I used to see one we kind of lost touch now it's weird I can't I feel weird about calling her now <laughs> 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 um, but no, I, I wish that everybody would have access to one and it was, you know, you could have a booster session just as regularly as you have a dentist's mm. appointment, you know, just, Hey, check up or are you using those skills that we talked about? Do you know how to calm yourself down from a fight? Do you know how to manage your stress well, or do you just need someone to listen that isn't going to repeat what you say or hold it against you? You know, that I, the word therapist <laughs> can have a negative connotation obviously for me it's not i mean i work in mental health it can't yeah half the time when i say that i'm a therapist people think that i'm a chiropractor or a physiotherapist okay. or something yeah 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 because you can be any type of therapist mm -hmm. it's, yes but i find like and maybe it's just my perception then because i find like when you say i see a therapist it feels like which shouldn't be anyways Because mm -hmm. it's actually, actually, it's a very proactive, outgoing, um, seeking help, improvement way of life, right? There's couples, right. couples go and see a therapist or even like just individual go, go and see a therapist. And there's, mm -hmm. there's a lot of things somebody can learn from that. Absolutely. Actually, I was I was having a conversation with someone today that wanted to put their family member in sessions and they were really fearful. And they said, look, I just don't want them to think that this is a bad thing or a punishment mm. that I'm making you go see a counselor or a therapist. And so, you know, obviously you have to acknowledge that they could think that. But maybe I said you could frame it to them like this. You're going through some stuff. And there's this person that actually happens to know a lot about that stuff mm. and might be able to 
help you find some solutions or even just listen and, and understand because they get it. They understand it. They've been there. They can help teach you ways to get through it easier strategies and yeah, yeah techniques. Understand. Mm-hmm. The, the, the path of being somebody like you, you obviously went to school and university, you studied it. Is, and then would you say through education and then experience that would be kind of the complete package? But it's never yeah. ending really either, right? No, no. Because, see, I, my background is in social work. And so social work can have a, a macro focus. So we're talking about society and, like, working with community groups or even working in government policy or uh, more of a more of a micro, a clinical focus, which was always my interest, yes. working one-on-one. And uh, when I finished my education, I, I had barely begun to understand what I was going to get into. Okay. Um, so it was, for me, so much about gaining the experience, having the life experience. Uh, I was fortunate enough to work uh, alongside a psychologist for many years, and so I got the... Mm the very like clinical aspect of things. And, and I loved that. And then when I started my, my own place, it was more, again, just trying to, trying to provide the service, you know, trying to do the treatment because a lot of times at the end of the day, do you really need a, a diagnosis with an eight page report or do you need the strategies to be able to live your life more, more functionally and more happy? Okay. So how yeah. does, how does that work then? Let's say Hendrik, Hendrik, is stressed out a lot and he feels he feels his chest is tight you know and he he goes for that for a little while and then you know he's he he's convinced that he needs help and he finds you somewhere mm-hmm. and he, you know he he calls your number kelly mental health and then what would what would happen how does that work how can people get help well, we're very, very accessible because it's so difficult to get help. I mean, that's we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, Instagram. You could send us a message or you could even go online and book yourself, which uh. most other counseling places, they don't do that okay. because they usually have, um, you know, sort of an onboarding process before they decide to take you. Whereas I just at the um, sort of like you have to sign up and then the, the person has to decide whether or not they're going to take you. Okay. Uh, usually there's a turnaround time, even, even online sites like BetterHelp. Um, those, they say they're affordable. They're, they're not that affordable. Mm. Um, but still you have to fill out the intake form and someone has to decide to take you and it could take a few days. Whereas with us, you could shoot us a message. You could book yourself online, uh, and at the very least, you're going to get a consultation where yes. you can then decide whether or not this is a good fit <sighs> or we can send you outward. So it's almost the opposite in a way where you you give the person an opportunity to check it out and see how it is and then say, hey, the person can decide to, yeah, so you know what, this is a good place. Yeah. So th- then that's what we try to do. Like every, every first session and sometimes actually up to the first three sessions, if you're doing couples or family counseling is the assessment. Mm. So that means we're going to ask lots of questions. Um, we're going to try to get background information. We're going to figure out how long has this been affecting you? We might go through some symptoms. How intense are these symptoms? But for some people, they hate that. Mm. And I won't do that. For some people, they just need to feel understood and listened mm. to 
And it takes a few sessions before they ever get to that background info. And that's okay, too. Okay. Yeah. But mm-hmm. is it always people come back to the background or some people just need to, some people just don't do that at all? Oh, some people don't like it. <laughs> um, I, I'm a believer that usually the way that we grew up, the way that we have lived our lives up to this point certainly impacts how we're responding to what we're going through today. There's patterns that develop. And so I, it's yes. very helpful to sort of explore those patterns. Mm. However, sometimes people will have a trauma response where they react very poorly to being asked about their childhood. Why is this relevant? This is stupid. Mm. You know, those kinds of things. And so that's fine. Yes. We back off of that. Maybe this isn't the right time or the right place. Maybe it's not relevant. So we go with it. Yes. What do you want to talk about? What is important to you? Ah, so it's, you can help a person as much as a person talks to you? I would think so. Uh, you can help. You can give insight. You can educate them on what you happen to know about mental health and psychology and, you know, relationship dynamics and patterns of behavior. Um, it's up to them whether or not they want to make any change Yeah. for a lot of people. Just, just the relief and being heard goes, goes the longest. It helps the most. True. And then also with your knowledge and your personal, this sounds skills, but the, you, you obviously you can read people in a way, right? Maybe. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think you, you you said pattern, for example. It's it's. I know it's generalizing, but I mean there. I believe there is patterns as well for mm-hmm. certain kind of um, scenarios where you have feelings that are associated, and I I agree with parents too. I think parents are. Uh, like parents probably are like one of the biggest, they set you in stone and give you values and the way they parent you pretty much sets you up and you can break through it and you can change. But me as a parent now, I realize I do a lot of things my parents did and I'm sometimes I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> but but it comes like I don't even think about it. It just comes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm, I'm, well, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we both talk a lot. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, I, yeah, that's just one more thing. I feel like I'm at the point now where I can, I've, I sense that I do something that's not really me, but it's more a pattern. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and sometimes it's it's easier and less energy. It takes less energy to just do what you know mm. rather than to question everything. Um. You know, children, and I, I see this. I say this a lot. I sound like a broken record. Children accept the reality that we present to them. Yes. So, if in your house, uh, it's perfectly acceptable and even applauded for people to be racist, then why would that child ever question it mm-hmm. until they meet maybe a group of friends that turns to them and says, whoa, you can't say that. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes unacceptable. And that's when usually your teenager comes home and starts fighting you because they're like, dad, you can't say these things. And, and that, that happens to a lot of people um, that, that sort of, this is the way that, this is the way that it's okay to talk to mom. And then you learn, oh, that actually is very hurtful to mom. 
mm-hmm. right? So I have to rethink that. And then I've got to figure this out. And that's why adolescence is so defining for so many people, such a defining period of time, because you're, you're challenging everything you thought you knew mm-hmm. and deciding who you want to be. Yes. And it's, you, it takes a lot of work to step out of it. For me, mm-hmm. for me, it's mostly like uh, reactions to uh, the house is a mess, for example, or whatever. It's just like I like to be organized or things have to have their spot. But do I really have to or is this the way I got raised? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Th- that's the pattern for me where I'm, I'm learning now to let go more of things. It doesn't have to be exactly how it has to be. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I notice, I notice myself too. Um, it, well, with discipline, the way that I choose to discipline my son is definitely different from how my parents disciplined me. Uh, my, the scariest thing I'd ever hear yelled across my house was Linda. <laughs> and I'd go, I'd go running in the other room. Yes. Um, but for my son, I, I, I really don't yell for the most part. And I, mm my priority is on him owning it. Take responsibility because I'm not going to shame you if you do something wrong, but we're going to walk through how to correct it. Unfortunately, now I have a son that has absolutely no shame. He's like, yeah, mom, you know, I screwed up. Yeah. Sorry about that. What's Mm. for dinner? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's very relaxed about it, but at least he takes responsibility. How how old is he, if I may ask? He's 11 now. Okay. Do you think that's Mm -hmm. the perception inside the mind or is it because it's just how it is like with a, our six-year-old he he says i will do better tomorrow and oh. then and then that's amazing right yeah but the, the next day the same thing happens again <laughs> so is it just so i'm interested and in, intrigued how the mind works that way mm-hmm. well uh, it, that that can depend on a lot of things. As you as I mentioned, you know, I worked with psychology for a long time, and they did assessments on kids all the time just to see, you know, is attention deficit is that an issue? Is uh, inattentiveness or, or hyperactivity? Or the, you know, does a child have the ability to maintain working memory? I mean, I, I was I was a bit of an airhead as a kid. You know, I, I wouldn't remember what I said the next day. Mm. And I remember getting in trouble in high school. I'm hauled in front of the guidance counselor for skipping class. And I'm like, no, no problem. No problem. I commit to it. I will be in class. And then I skipped the afternoon. And it wasn't even <laughs> deliberate. I had just literally forgotten that I met with this guy an hour ago. Yes. So, yes. yeah, there's there's something to be said there about is a person capable yet? Do they have that understanding of consequence um, or do they need a routine instilled in them where they don't have to think about it? It's just, oh, this is what we do. Mm-hmm. And then it, it makes them remember. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's really good. I had another thought, but I lost it. That's okay. We, Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm as parents, even as friends, sometimes we, one of my favorite quotes is never attribute to malice, which could easily be explained by ignorance. And so if you always assume that someone's doing something just to push your buttons, you know, doing something just to be defiant, well, that's not always fair. Mm. A lot of times people do have a lot on their minds, so they they don't really, maybe they're not capable of meeting your expectations. That's a good point, you know? I think that's a really good point because it's more like you have to work on yourself instead of, 
people pushing your buttons. I think so. I mean, you can't control what other people do. Mm. We can guide. We can guide our children. Yeah. Uh, we can teach them. We can repeat ourselves till we're blue in the face. But mm. ultimately, do we want to believe that they are being defiant to us? And then how do we re- react as a result? Do we make an enemy of them? Because then why in the world would they want to please us That's right. if we become their enemy? Yes. Not good. No. Yeah, with Albus, the one thing I've, we we accepted and let go now is, for example, at uh, any given time we eat, he just he is in his world and he just talks nonstop. <laughs> right. So, and we we've we've tried to tell him maybe maybe don't do that, <laughs> but it's like we have accepted now that this is just how he is, and you know that's his imagination, and I think this is the magic. And we just let it be and leave him like that. You know, it's it's okay. As long as he eats, he doesn't even have to eat all the food anymore. It's as long as he eats something and he's good and later he eats more, so be it. Mm-hmm. There's things we find we make compromises. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and that's so important. You know, you have to pick, pick your battles mm. and... Uh, there will be lots of phases that people go through, not only children, uh, but we all go through phases. Um, yes. <laughs> have you gone through phases yourself where you're just obsessed with learning something or just really into something? And then a few months later, it's like, eh, it's old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how the human mind works, though, right? Yeah. I think that's how we strive to advance, really, to make things happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we want to pick up all the puzzle pieces and see how they fit into our worldview, see how we can sort of develop as a person and, okay, how does this make sense now? And, mm. and then see if, see if you know, we try it on. Does yes. it work? Does it not? Hopefully we take something from it and then we move on. Yes. What would you tell a person right now that w- is thinking about getting help or doesn't feel like that though? Like there's like maybe there's an inner um, discussion in the mind to say, hey, maybe my life is like I'm not that bad of a person. <laughs> whatever, right? Whatever, whatever happens. But I mean, just mm-hmm. like sometimes people feel like they don't want to reach out. But what would you tell a person that feels like they don't want to reach out, but maybe it would benefit them? Hmm. Well, you're missing out because we're a lot of fun. (laughs) Uh, No, I mean, seriously, I I get that a lot. I I do get people that sort of uh, minimize their own issues. Remember how I I mentioned, like, don't minimize someone else's? People minimize themselves. Mm. They they just say, oh, you know, because just because I'm, you know, going through some anxiety or sadness doesn't mean that I deserve to do this or I should be better. Yes. So that really gets in the way. Okay. What is, what, how do you define anxiety? Well, anxiety, uh, like I was saying with, um, uh, Dr. Meg Van Dusen on the last podcast, she really actually, she she corrected me because we talk about anxiety all the time, mm-hmm. but she says, make sure you're mentioning stress first because the stress response is first okay. and then anxiety is sort of the... Um, sort of the maladaptive so the the not very helpful mm. offshoot of stressed anxiety to describe the feeling is like when you trip and you're on your way to the ground mm-hmm. and you never reach the ground 
Yes, it's almost paralyzing, right? Yes, it can be mm. uh, for people with generalized anxiety or health anxiety. They can become fixated and and obsessed with the idea of I'm going to get sick and I'm going to die, mm. or um, something's going to happen to my kids, or I-, I can't go out and work this job because what if something happens while I'm away? The house is going to burn down. Like it's not always catastrophes, but mm. it's just what if, what if, what if, what if, and they're just paralyzed. And the longer you're in that state the more exhausted you become and the less logical you can be. Mm. Yeah. And then how do you get out of it? Well, there's a couple of different approaches and I think that they're all equally valid. The first one is just building awareness. Like, can, can you identify right now that you are stressed on a scale of one to 10, 10 being full on panic? Okay. Where are you? Mm. You know, if most people wake up in the morning and they're at least at a three, if you've, got to go to work, maybe you're at a five. <laughs> if you've got kids to get moving and they're late, or maybe yeah. you're higher. Oh so, boy, I slept in. Yeah. Yeah. I had a dream about missing the bus today. I haven't taken a bus since high school. Mm. <laughs> but, you know, so where are you at right now? Where are you at this moment? Give yourself a rating. And if you are anywhere above eight out of 10, you're like the wise part of your mind, the logical part of your mind has shut itself off. It actually has closed down because our fight or flight response, okay. which has been evolved, yes. we've evolved to be able to protect ourselves. If there's a bear behind us in the woods, we're not going to be all logical mind where we turn around and think, hey, is this bear a threat? Mm-hmm. We're going to be all emotion, run yes, or yes. fight. Yes, there's no more thought, right? The body pumps the adrenaline, adrenaline your, your heart, you have superpowers for a couple minutes. Yes. And then there's no thought and you just do what you do. Exactly. But the problem is our modern day stressors are not tangible like a bear. They're a ding of the incoming email. They're uh, text messages that never stop. They're what's next on the schedule or or a phone call from the daycare. And those are not necessarily tangible where we can rise up and use our adrenaline to go and fix something. Mm -hmm. So we have to calm ourselves. So that's a big problem, eh? Because it's it's huge. Because that's the whole world, pretty much, is like nonstop. Mm-hmm. And then there's uh, existential dread that many of us have been feeling. Are we going to survive this? Um, is the environment going to rot and there'll be nothing left for us? Is there anything going to be left for our children? Um, we hear nonstop reports about violence. Uh, Thunder Bay being the, one of the most racist cities in the world <laughs> and... Mm. It can sometimes just being inundated with all of that, it just ruins our resolve to make anything better because we're exhausted. Yes. Are there people that perceive information differently? Like there's people that have a different uh, threshold. Like I can accept uh, a negative news today. That's okay. But maybe another person can't. Absolutely. Of course. I mean, think about how you react to negative things when you haven't slept. Mm. Okay. So it's a, it could be a conditioning right in the moment, but is it also like a, is it a character? Is it like the mindset? Is that something you can learn? I, I think that anybody can learn and anybody can get better at handling this stuff. Okay. It's just that for some people, there is a value in worrying. 
And some people don't realize how much they're hanging on to that worry as a way to protect themselves. Okay. Like if I just keep worrying and worrying, maybe all this worrying will lead to a solution, mm. but it couldn't possibly, because as soon as you find a solution for one thing, your, your anxious mind is going to come up with 10 other scenarios that you can't solve. Yes. Do you, this seems maybe very abstract, but do you believe like the mind controls your environment? in a way where if you condition yourself and you meditate and you put yourself goals out there that they are become more achievable? Absolutely. You're, the way that your mindset is certainly will, uh, it, it will influence your abilities because you, you can, you can be paralyzed by your thoughts or you can be motivated by them. Yes. And so that would be something you help people to find that potential, right? Yeah. 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 Um a lot of people that I see will have waited a very long time before seeking help and so they'll have a lot to unload. Mm. You know, they'll have uh, deaths in the family, they'll have losses of, you know, career options or you know, maybe I should have made different choices or even just the humiliation that sometimes we think about or you know, things that we said or did in the past and yeah. it just sticks with us. And it doesn't really matter what it is because it's not up to me to judge whether or not someone is worthy enough to feel you know, anxiety about it. Mm. it. It just is. But then how do we intervene and change those thought processes so they're not so damaging? You know, how do we stop digging that hole we're in? Yes. So not to give too much away, but how would you do that? Like, Oh, we give it all away. It's okay. okay. Because it has to be a personalized approach. And that's why um, psychotherapy and counseling is so important. It's what works for you. Uh-huh. But just to give you, you know, I said that's a couple couple different approaches. So one of them will be uh, cognitive behavioral therapy where we identify what are the thought patterns you're having on a consistent basis that are self-defeating, that are harmful to you, and that are depleting your energy. Okay. Things like thinking about things in black and white, all or nothing terms, mm -hmm. uh, catastrophizing, always saying things like, I should be doing this. I should have done that. Who says should, you know, because we got to stop that or saying things like always or never like these are these are words that influence our feelings and Strong, make us feel yeah. like a failure. Yeah. 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 Whereas it's so much more reasonable to say right now I'm not feeling capable, but maybe I will tomorrow ah. rather than I'm always a failure. Right. And then the other approach is the physiological teaching about that fight or flight response and how to calm ourselves. So for right now, you know, I'm talking so much. Uh, I'm a little bit out of breath. Hang on. <laughs> mm. We teach people to actually breathe. Yes. When you breathe and you take a deep breath, you push your stomach out and just really let your lungs fill to capacity and then breathe out slowly. Mm. You send a message to your brain that everything is safe. Uh. Right. And actually there will be chemical changes in your brain to release feelings of calm. And usually by the end of the second breath, I feel this sense of coming back down to earth. This, I didn't even know how far away I was from my own consciousness. And now I'm here. I'm in this chair. I'm in this room. Yes. You're back in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I do that at night. You know, I'm done with everything. Yeah. I didn't 
I'm, I've been doing lots of work for the podcast and stuff. You know, I, I, did, I do my workout. The kids are in bed, finally. <laughs> and mm -hmm. then, you know, it's just like it's some go time. And then I'd, I'd set myself a rule where I need at least like five to six hours of sleep. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. And then in bed, I, I lay on my back. And then usually I put the, my hands on my belly. And I just, I just really deep breath and fill the lungs all the way up. And it's just like, and I do this a couple times, and then I do um, affirmations, I guess, how mm. you, you know, just some thoughts and projections, such. I think that's the right word for that. Right. And, and then I'm, I'm good, you know, I let go. I've, I can, I probably could, but I can't, right now I don't see myself making more time for that. It's um, it's it's good at the end of the day because in the morning it's right away it's go time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That, that's amazing that you're able to do that and incorporate it in a way that works for you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. My parents, they, um, they, you know, when they had kids, I think everybody when who once you have kids, you you want to take care of your kids, just like. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just like there's is maybe there's a change in perception, and um, they did like they brought me, or they let us participate in some kind of seminar where we would talk about the um, the mind and the subconsciousness, mm -hmm. and it was like called the power of the subconsciousness or whatever. And then you you would just there was this article that we read, and you know when you move people from somewhere and they are they have a certain mindset and you put them in a very good house and it's like all new the house would just in a year the house would be destroyed because it's it's very complex to do that because the mind is just still different just mm -hmm. because you move somebody from somewhere to somewhere and now you say oh now you're good that doesn't fix the problem that's right yeah and we see that a lot with uh, people leaving abusive relationships Mm -hmm. You know, they, they leave the abusive relationship, they're done with it, they never want to go back. And then, sure enough, a lot of times the very next relationship is just as bad, if not worse. And then the person blames themselves. I, it's me, I'm broken, I'm, there's something wrong with me. But there's so much more going on there. Mm -hmm. And most of the time I find it's, it's patterns and it's what we're familiar with because we have learned to play a certain character, a certain role among the people in our lives. And when we don't have that character, that role, those guidelines, we feel completely lost. Mm. So that's why a lot of us are, are drawn to what's familiar, even if it's no good for us. That makes sense. That makes actually sense. Mm -hmm. yeah, I always wondered about that because it sounds stupid maybe, but as a man, I always, if, some, if somebody would go back into a relationship and get hurt i was always wondering why would that happen again and again and again mm -hmm. right because yeah you wish so much good to the person not to do that yeah and yeah and, and that's the thing uh, <laughs> if you have uh, you say you're friends with someone that has that history and keeps going into sort of abusive relationships you might find a lot of times that they they don't know how to accept like real kindness without strings attached uh. Okay. Right. Do you ever notice that? That's there's people that just go, I'm uncomfortable with compliments or I'm uncomfortable with 
like you doing something for me without wanting something in return. Yeah. And it's just what you're used to. Yeah. But compliments are good. I like them. Are they? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Maybe compliments are not good, but embracing them is good. Learning how to embrace them and knowing what to say in response can Mm. go a long way. Because some people get awkward. Like, I get awkward. Mm. People compliment me. I'm like, "Mm, thanks. I actually had to read it in a magazine when I was a teenager. If someone compliments you, just say thank you. Don't say, don't minimize it. Don't say, oh, it's nothing. No, just say thank you. That's kind of you. Mm -hmm. Right? I had to read that in a magazine just to figure out how to respond. Yeah, makes (laughs) sense. Like for somebody's, like the intro, for example, for this podcast that I utilized also for this collaboration and you're going to do yours. And then um, sometimes people say, oh, this is really good. And I said, yeah, I made this. And then I always do it like, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Good for you. But it's not like that I, I've like, I, this is just the way I empower myself, right? I'm not, I'm not thinking I'm any better than you. And it's just like today I, I was on a rowing machine and I, I rode. And, you know, and I, I want to do 10,000 meters. But, you know, if I think about how do I get to the 10,000 meters when I just start, that's not going to happen. No. So I have to, I like, I have to break it down. I do a thousand. Oh, this feels good. This feels good. And then I get mm-hmm. motivated to do the 2,000. And then I achieve the 2,000. And it's like, yes. <laughs> and I'm screaming inside my mind. I, mean, I was going for a personal best today. So, That's awesome. Good yeah. for you. <laughs> <laughs> but like if anybody would hear my thoughts while I, I'm silently uh, rowing in this huge room, socially distanced from everybody, and then it would be just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. that's awesome. But also then, you know, when you don't pay attention to it, then there comes the doubt. There comes the doubt. It's like, oh, I feel my arms. I'm only at 4,000 meters. How am I going to do this? It's like it feels like it's a constant effort to overcome or stay in that mindset where you control it, where you work for something very actively. Mm-hmm. That takes a lot of willpower, mm-hmm. and for some people, for some people, they just have to not think about it and just keep doing like shut off the thoughts or distract themselves. And, mm. and then, you know, uh, one of the things I, I tell my son, we, we, we love biking, we bike in the summers and we're going up a hill and he's like, Oh, I can't, I can't, I got to get off. And I said, don't look at the top of the hill, look down, look at your tire. Yes. And you're up that hill before you know it. And, and that's, I think the same thing you're saying about you're breaking it down into steps. So you're just being right there in the moment and not thinking about this, you know, high, high goal that, you know, while your muscles are screaming and mm. how, how discouraging that can be. Yes. But then the time will pass anyway. Yes. So yes. you and just keep going. It seems like the body can do more than the mind thinks. Oh my gosh. Yes. Schwarzenegger talked about that all the time. It's all about the mind. <laughs> that's why, that's why, that's why I've never been able to do personal bests on deadlifts. Cause I scare myself. Ah. I'm just like, Oh, I've seen these, you know, videos of people popping out their knees and mm. yeah. <laughs> I like my knees. <laughs> what do you lift? Um, well, it's, well, I mean, it's been a while just because of the, the pregnancy now, but For sure. um, we have, we have some weights in our, our garage. So Good. we'll go out there. I mean, I think the last thing I did was 170 awesome. pounds for a deadlift. Yeah. So nice. 
but I'm five foot nine. So, you know, I've got those shoulds going on, those shoulds going around in my brain. I should be able to do more than this. Mm. Laura Myers is tiny and she's like kicking my butt in her personal best. She's amazing. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Yeah. But that's also me just being also ridiculously competitive. So, (laughs) yes. One more thing on the, before I connect this with the competing. My mm. coach, I did a lot of swimming back in Germany. Okay. Like my parents wanted us away, I guess, right? And we would stay in shape, which is awesome. And then um, my coach was always like, okay, now this is the last exercise of the day. Just four sprints. And you, you finish them, you give everything, and you come back. And then he says, okay, one more. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> yes. Eventually he would caught on to it, but he like this was really good. Mm-hmm. Because you train differently then. You do, yeah. yeah, the, yeah. You, you give a lot more when you re- think it's going to be the last one mm. than if you're pacing yourself. Yes. Okay, competing. Is competing good? Is competing comparison? Or uh, I've, I'll let you answer first and then I'll tell you what I learned. Competing can be both good and bad depending on what it does to you. If it motivates you, if it inspires you mm. to try more, to, to go higher, to go longer, uh, then that's a wonderful thing. We, we call it sometimes negative and positive comparisons. If we're comparing ourselves the right way, we are seeing new goals to attain mm-hmm. or we're comparing ourselves to people that maybe are not doing as well as we are. And so we can feel a little bit better about where we're at. Mm. But negative comparisons are when we see someone doing so much better and we use that as an example to beat ourselves up. And that's not helpful. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, I listened to the episode you did with social media mm. a little bit. I, I didn't listen to all of it, I'll be honest, but I, I, I listened to it and I, I because I wanted to know what's happening. And mm-hmm. I feel like... Do you feel like maybe social media, I don't know, actually help to bring more awareness to mental health in a way because it's more exposed now than ever? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's so easy to start a conversation on social media and actually have people share it. Although the thing that we notice that gets shared the most is usually memes and, uh, you know, sort of making light of it, making fun of it, and then peppering in some, here's some real information about it. And you can't overwhelm people with this information because it, it can be depressing to hear about it. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, no, uh, social media has absolutely helped with people's awareness of mental health issues and understanding of it and relating to it. Yeah, I think so too, actually. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of, sometimes you want to put a bad um, stamp and say (laughs) it's bad. But I mean, like there's people, for example, that are not as outgoing as you or me that like to talk to people all the time. They have a very difficult time talking to anybody, really. Maybe they're very Mm -hmm. shy. And then through social media, they actually can express and they can learn to share. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it can be a good thing. I think the bad parts we talk about a lot are, are about the negative comparisons, mm-hmm. right? Where Instagram shows us things that are unattainable or Facebook shows us the highlight reel of someone's life and not so much the darkness. Mm-hmm. But we all have darkness. Everybody has it, right? Everybody does. Yeah. What do you tell? And I find that just so beautiful. <laughs> yes. 
there's also there can't be light without darkness either, right? Or is it the other way around? Or no darkness without no light without darkness? Something there's another saying that it connects both of them together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what do you what do you tell a person that says, "Hey, I have no darkness"? I say they're full of crap. <laughs> 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 I. Uh, or, you know, I just say, hey, good for you. Mm. Call me when you find it. <laughs> yeah. You know, or we talk about talk about the good things. Mm. I, I think for any person that has uh, the ability to the the ability to think abstract, that does matter. Because if you if you're a very concrete thinker, you may not have the ability actually to compare yourself to others. Mm. And so um, people who have, you know, the ability to think abstractly. Uh, yeah. And uh if they really think that it's all good, I say good for them. Mm. I still say that there's merit to learning how to navigate it because at some point, someone that you care about is going to die. Mm. At some point, something's going to happen. Someone's going to steal something from you. Something mm. uh, horrific is going to happen in the world and you're going to find out about it. There is no escaping the darkness in this world. Mm. So it's best to be prepared. How do you prepare yourself? Educating yourself, understanding the limits, your own resources, you know, understanding how much you have to give and, and uh, just knowing, knowing the impact that you have on certain people compared to others. Like you can't save someone that's drowning and strapping on lead boots, as they mm. say, you know, you can't pull someone out of the water that doesn't want to be pulled out. But there's some people that will need you. Yes. Yeah, I've, I've I've read a lot of stories where like parents they lose their car, child to like drug abuse or something, you know. And and I'm I'm just like I'm heartbroken by it because I'm a parent and like it's it's such like it's the parent probably did everything they could but it's not enough in a way or it is enough but you can't do it right. It's just like. Some some things are beyond. Is it beyond your control again? I think there's a lot of things that are within our control, but it once again goes back to the fact that you can't control another person's actions. Mm -hmm. And the biggest problem with a lot of heavy drugs, like uh, street drugs, is that once someone starts using, uh, it changes the structure of your brain. Okay. And so, you know, it's kind of like kind of like it, it washes out everything that used to be real to you yeah. and that drug becomes the only thing that matters mm. and it can turn people very angry. A lot of the people that have the most significant drug issues tend to have trauma in their past. You know, yes. they've got lots of stuff. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's connected, right? Usually. Yeah. Yeah. Some people just, just get into sort of the physiological addiction and it just takes off from there. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's the, one of the saddest things I think when people are lost to drug addiction mm -hmm. because not only is it a horrific cycle for the person going through it and their family, but that person is often shamed and dehumanized and yeah, devalued. Sh yeah, should not happen at all. No. Yeah, I think you know anybody who judges another person should not judge the person. My parents try to tell me that it's not okay to judge anybody. Mm. I'm not good with that. Like I do things, I judge people sometimes. I try not to, but I do. 
I'm mm-hmm. gonna be. I'm not gonna tell myself now that I'm perfect. <laughs> but I mean, like the who gives you the authorization to say this is a good thing or this is a bad thing, right? To another person, right? We, I think, we have to make judgments because we see examples in the world and we take those and we we decide: is this something I want for myself? Okay. Is this something that uh, is acceptable within my values? But we also really need to understand that our perspective is skewed. You know, if you walk into a room and two people are fighting, you can only see the back of one person and the front of another. Hopefully you do not know what they said. You don't know who else might have just been there, right? Mm -hmm. Your perspective is always, it always has blanks. Mm -hmm. And we're going to use our assumptions to fill in the blanks as quickly as possible because we are busy creatures. Mm. <laughs> and, and realistically, we don't, we don't have time to de- dedicate to every single person that crosses our path. Yeah. But it, it can help to realize that, you know, to realize how limited we are and what we know. Mm-hmm. Do you find reality is then reality? Do you find yourself sometimes reflecting on that? Like when where you feel like, okay, this is where I am right now and this is this is reality, this is life? Like whether or not it's real? Yeah, more in the way like... I could give you an example for me. Like, sure. Like I'm 36 and, you know, I wake up in the morning, I do my things, I have, I, I, try, to, I try to be positive, I'm not perfect, you know, I do, I do mistakes all the time. But at the end of the day, I sleep, I wake up, and it's a new day. And it feels like, yeah, my body is changing, but I'm, the perspective of my life, it seems like it's always going on, and I don't feel much of a difference inside me. Mm. So, like, if I would think about death, it's just like, it feels, sometimes it doesn't feel real that eventually it will end. So, this this is, like, my perception of reality. Like, sometimes I think, yeah, this is going to really happen. But it's not like it's there. It's like it's I can't I can't see it. Right. So your own consciousness and it for you seems to be infinite because it's all you've ever known. In a way, yeah. Yeah. It's so I think sorry. No, no, you go ahead. <laughs> well, I was gonna say I, I think about that personally sometimes, uh, when it comes to death. Mm. You know, thinking about well, what will that feel like? Uh Will I feel anything? Will it be nothing? Uh, what fears do I have? Do I fear miss? I fear missing out mm. on what happens next, even if admittedly I feel like I don't do a whole lot with my day-to-day life. I, I do willingly miss a lot because I need to recharge and yes. not, not a party person. But uh, it's true. But that's the thing. What do you miss out on yeah. if you're gone? The, and then that's it. It's going to continue. Yeah. Yeah. It just goes on and on and on. It will continue without you. Yeah. And that's the scary part. Mm. Why do you think people have this obsession in history that they want to be remembered? That's a big question. But I I mean, I suppose I'd ask myself the same thing. Do I want to be remembered? Lately, in my own life, I, I've kind of been feeling a comfort in just being ordinary mm-hmm. you know we, we sometimes talk about you know if we've lost family members so we talk about what they wanted done for their end of life some people want a mausoleum and some people want to be tossed in a ditch and uh, yes and some people you know and for me i think i don't really want to take up space because realistically who remembers you after one generation 
Yes. I just, every, every person, every animal, every creature that's ever existed has lived and died in this world. And it's only been maybe the last hundred or 200 years where we insist on mm. taking up so much space to remember these people that eventually are, are lost to history. Yeah. I'm not sure. That's a big question. What, why do you think people want to be remembered? Oh, ego. <clears throat> yeah. Right. I ma- I mattered. Or I yeah. was I was here. Or maybe it's the fear of death. Like I'm still alive. You can see me. I'm not fading away. People people say my name. <laughs> yeah. I could I could go on, but I, before, mm-hmm. for me it's more like I want people to dance when I like at my, at my funeral, and I would just like throw the ashes somewhere, and I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just, I, I guess I sometimes can have a little bit of a cynical outlook. And I think every damn person that ever wanted to like change the world made it worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everyone that wanted to stamp their name on something big or leave a statue, they, you know, there, there's been, there's been a lot of damage and then we're only kind of realizing over the past mm. couple of decades, particularly with the environment, that's more so kind yes. of what, what gets me stuck. Ah. Um, but yeah. But yeah, like what's what's our legacy? Is our legacy our children? Uh, what about for people that don't have children? Is do they need to make a name for themselves? How many people would we have to hear from if everybody was able to make a name for themselves? It's true. Yeah, you don't need oh, but, to. I mean, that's that's Instagram. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can utilize social media for whatever you do professionally, or you can define yourself by it, right? Yes, but I do find it kind of interesting and odd after someone's passed and their social media is still there. Okay. It's like a mm. it's like a scrapbook. Yeah. Yes, I get it. Okay, mm-hmm. I want I want to bring it a little bit back to the mental health. <clears throat> the, yeah. The now my thought was earlier when you, we talked a little bit about it and that you 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 mentioned I don't I'm not wording it correctly but you mentioned that everybody should have the opportunity to have a a therapist or access to it right Yes uh, and actually like in society maybe it should be actually like implemented that this is a way of life like it is it is good to have a mentor See, I would, I would like mm-hmm. that. I, I associate better things with a mentor than with a therapist, but that's just my personal oh. op- opinion. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is my perception. So, but I, I right. Yeah. So, like, what, what would you say if the government would say, hey, you know what? Be, 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 beside of universal childcare benefit for everybody, or beside of we pay for your daycare. Uh, we, we everybody has the right to seek mental health help effectively immediately. Mm-hmm. Like, this should be out there, shouldn't it be? In a way, well, that is what we're fighting for. Mm. And with so we we have Kelly Mental Health, which is our clinic, but we started the Kelly Mental Health Foundation, which is a nonprofit, and. The whole goal with that is to basically on a volunteer basis at this point, we are providing education and trying to help people. Like you said, oh, you know, we don't want to give too much away. No, give it all away. Take the skills, use them. Let us, you know, we'll help you if you need us. The more people have access to these skills, the healthier communities we're going to have and the more productive communities we're going to have. Mm -hmm. So 
that foundation right now also is in the process of raising funds. Like we are seeking donations from businesses to be able to take care of our own, to provide actual cost of counseling sessions for individual people. My dream is that the foundation never needs to exist. My dream is that it, it we actually shut it down one day because the government steps in and says, yes, this is a need. It's a necessity. We're going to fund it. And people have the, uh, the freedom and the right to seek the practitioner that they choose. Yes. Not necessarily just block funding that goes to a hospital and they hire three social workers and mm. deal with a six month or one year waiting list. No, mm. it's not difficult to do this. It's actually cheaper in the long run to be able to pay per session and have a lot of private practitioners or small clinics like ours in the game. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Who can wait half a year to a year? That's insane. Yeah, people go to the emergency room. And if you're not actively wanting to kill yourself, they say, okay, well, go home. <laughs> I heard, yes, I heard that, actually. I read it on a Facebook post. Someone, you know, I, it's friends, I'm friends with. She, the person mentioned that, you know, the right now, the only way to get help is if you threaten to, like, uh, do things to yourself. In a way. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's not right. That's not no. that's not what we stand for as a human race, really. No, and it's limited too. Um, even when you are suicidal, actively suicidal, you could get you could get a two to three night, maybe even a couple of weeks stay at the hospital. Um, you might have access to psychiatry, which psychiatry, just for people that don't know, is different from uh, just counselors. You know, psychiatrist has a medical degree, uh, can give out prescription drugs, um, but then the you know, it's just more psychiatric stuff. Uh, whereas we just do the treatment. And uh, if you're lucky, you have that. Uh, if you're unlucky, or perhaps you live in an area where you don't have a visiting psychiatrist or doctor, such as any of the Northern Reserves around here, you would be lucky if you even get your monthly prescriptions. Wow. Like you, the, the continuity of care is uh, very hit and miss. And it's yeah it's tough yeah has this been before covid or is it now to yes. new? it has right yes yeah. it's it's a long-standing issue mm -hmm. it's there are medical professionals that go up to uh the northern reserves i i used to work quite a bit in in a couple of them and they do the best they can but you know sometimes there's just such a, a not enough communication or the phone lines go down all the time and there's no internet and, mm. you know, so many, so many just practical issues on top of uh, the weather was bad. So the planes couldn't land. So you didn't get your prescriptions for this week. Oh, wow. How horrific is that for people that are on antidepressant or antipsychotic medications? Yeah. It's awful. Wow. Okay. So what can we do? Like what can we do to make change happen? Like, what do you know? What can we do? What, how can, how, what can we do? <laughs> you know? That's, yeah. And that's the hardest question, right? How do we, how do we make real change, real lasting change happen? How do we create the need? Well, we know the need is there. Yes. How do we create the value in this service, in this treatment, in the need for people to be able to access it without barriers? It's like, It's so, it sounds so silly because we know the need is there. Mm -hmm. You know, the statistics that tell us how important it is and how much of a difference that it makes in people, even uh, with work absences, 
you know, how much of a difference it makes if someone gets help right after an incident, as opposed to just bottling up what, what they felt and then going off work for six months. Yes. Um, We know the information is there. And, you know, I I think part of it too, is let's start flexing our power a little bit. Mm. We are citizens. We have political representatives that are supposed to speak for us. We write to them. I actually had a really, a really uh, cool response from one of our, our local politicians. I, I wrote them a letter about mm. this one bill that was about to pass. And I just thought, ah, I'll just try. I'll just shoot it off. This person actually like um, replied to me, thanked me profusely for even speaking up on the issue, showed me that the email was forwarded to the right person. It actually went through and the bill passed. Nice. I poof, Mind blown. Couldn't mm. believe it. <laughs> so we need to start speaking up about what we want because mm. our leaders are elected to bring us what we want. But I don't know what a post-COVID world is going to look like or mm. economy. And that's a kind of a scary thing. Yes. So you to highlight, you also have this program where people can make donations. Maybe that's the wrong term, but, you know, like a coffee you buy forward. But for, yeah. for you, you have something where people like you don't have to do buy a full session or pay a full session for which there's certain dollar amounts. You can pay whatever you feel like it's OK for you. Right. You mm. can pay that forward. I think that's a really good idea. Yeah, it's some people might balk at the price of, you know, a one hour, one hour, one and a half hour. Um, mental health session. But of course, I mean, these prices, these costs are established across the province. This is what's considered a reasonable cost considering the overhead. And, you know, it's actually vastly different compared to what it would cost you to get a one hour counseling session at, say, the Port Arthur Clinic, which is everything in like thousands, (laughs) a thousand dollars I've heard during the last strike. That's what they said. It was about a thousand dollars for an hour. So, but we don't see that because that's taxpayer money. Mm -hmm. But if so with this thing, this light the way campaign, you can donate as little or as much as you want. Uh, We're hoping really to talk to businesses about it as sort of a local campaign where we are taking care of our own, Yes, you know, business to business, uh, larger business to smaller companies that are just struggling to get by, Mm. Um, you know, for most businesses, even our own, to donate the cost of one treatment set, it's not too bad. It's actually totally doable. Mm. But you're going to help change someone's life. That's beautiful. We had one big donation when we first started, and uh, we weren't able to redo the campaign this past summer with the Andrew Medema Foundation. But so far with that donation, we have been able to provide over 50 therapy sessions, including uh, extreme trauma-related therapy sessions uh, with EMDR that Mm. a person would not be able to access otherwise, not for years. Yes. We've been able to do it completely barrier-free. Thank you for like mentioning this and letting people know what's happening. I appreciate it's a, that. Yeah, it's a big thing for us. It's, I think, a really big priority, and I, I would love to see it continue. So that's something all of you came up together with? When I started the foundation, that was, that was ultimately the goal, mm-hmm. was to find a way to get people um, therapy, and uh, can't like actual one-on-one services, uh, you know, in as cost-effective a way as possible. Yes. Yeah. I really, really like that. 
I think it's something we all have to work on. Mental health is, I think it's only going to get bigger. And I think we're only going to learn more things. Mm-hmm. And I think now is the time to start to to reach out and help people. And if people need help, it's okay to talk about it, right? Yeah. And for every person that actually does get help and they learn this stuff, they not only have more capacity to help other people because their, their stuff is dealt with, mm. but they positively impact everyone around them. And I always think back to this one little girl I used to see years ago, and I, I know we're kind of running out of time. I'll wrap it up. But mm. years ago, I saw her and I, I told her the story of this red balloon. She had some issues with anger. And so I had some balloons in session and I said, okay, every time you feel angry, let's put it, put more breath in the balloon, <sighs> blow it up, blow it up. And I said, what's going to happen if you don't let some of that air out? And she's like, oh, it's going to explode. And I'm like, yeah, that'd be, that'd be funny. Right. But it'd be also kind of scary. Mm. So what we had to do is learn to breathe out, you know, let some of that pressure out of that balloon, let it out, let it out. And that little girl for years afterwards, she told that story to every single one of her friends. Mm. She recommended every one of her friends comes and sees me. <laughs> I was getting recommendations from her friend's parents years later. Yes. But she positively affected everybody around her because she learned something that made sense to her. Yes. <laughs> yes. And that's that's greatness, you know, mm-hmm. where... And that's how it's going to happen, Linda. That's how people will change because then I put this in my mind. It's like the it works with like once a lot of people change into a certain way and they drag the other people behind. It, it just comes. Yeah. But also that like this is the best um, feedback you can get too, right? Somebody who like lives and learns what you help them to fulfill, which is their full potential, right? You, it's almost like it's still the person is doing it, but you're, you're helping. I'm, I'm not putting it down, but the person reaches it, right? Yeah. No, it's, it's so much about that person and what they, what they choose to take with them and what they put in, into place in their lives. And that is, you know, inspiring to watch. Mm. I, I, I might be able to, you know, they might give me an hour to hopefully say one thing someone will remember, but it's really the person. It's their journey, and and uh, this is just a little help along the way. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. Yes. Why is it okay to reach out for help? Because there's no shame in that. This is normal. This is totally okay to struggle with things that we haven't, that we don't have a roadmap for how to deal with. Yes. And especially in today's world, no one has a roadmap for how to deal with COVID. Mm-hmm. No one has a roadmap for how to deal with uh, job insecurity and economic challenges. And no one's, you know, when people are separating from their partner, we don't know how, mm-hmm. right? We, we may not have someone in our lives that's been through it and can walk us through it. You know, there even something as simple as, sounds simple, when you lose a family member, the end of life things that you have to do, the mm. all the places you have to bring a death certificate. How difficult is that when you're in the midst of grief? Yes. So talking to someone that can help you get that roadmap, mm. that can just 
not only help you, but equip you to help others. Yes. Very, very nice. I love it. I appreciate all your time today. I, I appreciate you, you know, having, having this put together and, and just the opportunity to, to talk. Mm. It's, it's fun to talk about these things. I enjoy it. <laughs> is that what, what life is for you? What life is about for you? To, to, to finish this off. Like, you know, I can tell you from my perspective, for example, I've learned that uh, doing things for me doesn't bring me the same satisfaction. They're very plain and simple. But I, I feel like when I spend my time doing something where I give opportunities or getting to know a person or speaking on this podcast, connecting, l connecting with people, it's like this is like this is life for me. Mm -hmm. Is it is that for is that something that resonates with you? Is that like it does? It's connecting with people and and understanding them. Uh, understanding their thoughts and their feelings and and what they notice in a room before I notice and mm. you know being able to see through their eyes that that is something that brings a lot of meaning to my life as for what life is about I'd like to think that I'm still figuring that out mm. I don't think that journey ever ends <laughs> <laughs> that's good I like that it's always good to leave the um leave it open right mm-hmm Yeah. Yeah, because then there's always an opportunity to learn and get obsessed with the next thing and yeah. then know absolutely everything about it and then move on. <laughs> That's right. And I've had, I had to learn that, that it's okay to leave things open and not close the door where, you know, it's just, you know, I don't know if it's going to happen, but I leave it open. If it happens, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, tell Cassandra, thank you very, very much. She was so awesome on social media and helped me to connect me with you. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate the work she does and everything you, all your team does. I guess I looked at the pictures you have from the spring shoot 2019. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah, fun times. Yeah, yeah, I will definitely let her know. She is amazing and she has been facilitating so many opportunities for us to get the word out and mm. just love what she's doing. Okay. And then, Linda, I can, from my perspective, I always do this at the end. I, I really would like to thank you from the bottom of my heart for the, taking the time today, giving people the opportunity to listen, listen and see what's out there for them and what we can do as society to embrace what's happening with all of us. Mm -hmm. I, I really, truly appreciate it. Thank you, Linda. Thank you for providing the opportunity. Okay, perfect. Just, I'm going to cut the audio now and just stick around for one second, okay? Sure. All right, this was episode 47. What number will it be on your podcast? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing too much podcast. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, ladies and gentlemen, have a good night.